best way to do life is to anchor oneself to the one who made us in his image, God Almighty. Hi, this is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at West Valley Christian Church. In this series, we'll take a look at men and women who walked with God. We will look at how God scripted their stories and draw courage from how he wants to script ours. We hope you enjoy. Amen. Let's give it up to all our fathers. Amen. And uh, I was thinking about, it's hard not to reflect. My dad went on to be with the Lord about 15 years ago now, and I miss him. But I'm also double blessed because uh, God gave me an amazing stepdad that uh, I'll be able to see uh, this afternoon. So happy Father's Day, and I agree with that video. I don't usually pick the videos, but this one I did because I think it's so important uh, what that video said, that dads, the best thing that you could do is be here at church. And uh, so for the fathers that are here, amen. You know, there's a sad, a sad stat and a, a great stat. You know, Mother's Day is the third most attended day uh, of church, right? You got Easter and uh, Christmas and Mother's Day. Father's Day is one of the least attended days at church. So we got, we got to switch that up, amen? amen? Amen. So today we continue a series uh, called uh, They Walked With God. We're looking at individual lives, uh, typically people that we've never really heard of and how they walked with God. And then hopefully we look at their life story and see how it applies to our life story. Amen? And so uh, our, our story today is about a dad. And in, in, in some ways, you could sum up his words uh, with these three words, I need help. <laughs> Have you ever, ever thought those words, said those words, or even screamed those words? I need help. Can you say those three words right now? I need help. Some of you men are like, I never ask for help. You're the same ones that get lost because you don't ask for directions either. But here's the reality. Um, We're glad that you're here because we are looking at a story of a man uh, who did say, I need help. And so for us here today and for all of you joining us online, uh, let's get ready and pray for God's blessing on today's message. Father in heaven. We are so grateful to be in your presence. And um, we could smile and laugh and say those three words, but the truth is, um, it could be as simple as, where do I go to lunch today? I need help. (laughs) To some really, really hard things. And wherever we're at on that spectrum, God, we pray that you would give us hope, that you would give us guidance, that you would place us in a place where you would desire us to be. Lord, we anticipate you to do amazing things today, as you already have. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I was reflecting on those words, um, I think about uh, this October 15th. It was 30 years ago. It was right over there at West Hills Hospital. It was in the evening when I was handed this baby, nine pounds, 10 ounces. And I remember sitting in uh, this, this easy chair and a recliner, and the nurse hands me Drew. And I'm holding my son for the very first time. And I do remember the reality of, oh my gosh, this boy's mine. Lord, I need help. Can any of you relate to that? I don't know about you, but both my boys were sitting in here for service. One's almost 16, one's almost 30. 
and um, neither of them came with a manual attached to their ankle. <laughs> neither of them came with a book that said, this is how you do it. And if anything good has come out of those two lives, it's because of two things, the grace of God and praying grandmas. <laughs> so, so with that, uh, I think of another time. Uh, so then I was 25 years old. But if you go back about a year and a half, I'm 23 years old. I've just graduated um, uh, Bible college, and I've just gotten married, and I find myself in an airplane seat, and it's the airplane's Air New Zealand, and I am about to take a 16-hour nonstop flight to New Zealand, never been out of the country, because I don't consider going to Mexico out of the country, for me at least, Uh, never been out of the country up to that point. And I am sitting on this plane, and I kid you not, I'm going to go to a country I knew nothing about, to a city I knew nothing about, to a church I knew nothing about, and I was going to be mentored by a pastor that I didn't even hardly, I didn't even know his name, actually, not even hardly, I didn't know his name. And so I'm sitting on this plane about to take this adventure, and I kid you not, this is what I had. I had a piece of paper this big, it was ripped just like this one. It had a handwritten name on it, Graham Todd, and a phone number. That's what I had. I didn't call ahead of time. I had no conversations. This is before cell phones, right? Barely internet. And I just got on this plane. And I remember as we were taxiing, I thought, Lord, I need help. I have no idea what I'm about to do. I... um. It's about seven years ago. Actually, it was September 16th, will be seven years ago. I stood right here, and the founding pastor, Pastor Glenn Kirby, stood right here, and he handed me this plaque. And on this plaque was a baton. And this baton signified him handing the leadership of this church over to me. And I remember receiving this, and not in that moment, but later when I was in my office putting this away. I thought, Lord, I need help. And can I just tell you, I still need a lot of help when it comes to this baton and the transition. Now, I share those things because there's also some moments in my life uh, where I need help. Uh, I'm going to shoot real straight. Um, Last night, uh, I've been been sick here the last couple days, and last night was not feeling good at all. And I just laid in bed, and I said, Lord... I really need your help. Um, I'm just asking for a, little, a few hours of sleep and let me get through two services. So God's got me through one. We're going to get through this second one. But the, the truth is, God is so good, isn't he? And, you know, I've shared these things because they're safe, but there's things, there's things in my life where I've really begged God and I said, Lord, I need help. That are even deeper than some of the things that I've shared here today. Can you relate with that? Maybe some of you, it's relationship stuff. Some of you, it's chronic pain or other health things. Some of you, it's finance. Some of you, it's future. Some of you, it's just your walk with the Lord. You're just like, I need help, Lord. I I don't know if I'm doing this right. So today, we look at a man. And I love it because we're just pulling out these random names in Scripture, you know. We're not talking, you know, Saul, you know, Jesus, 
Job, Noah, Moses, just kind of these obscure names. And that's what we're going to do here today. If you go to Mark chapter 5, <clears throat> Mark chapter 5, and we're going to go to verse 21. Now, this is coming off an amazing story, probably one of my favorite trans- life transformation stories. So just a little bonus. I didn't even tell first services. But the first part of Mark is awesome. It's about it, the demon-possessed man that has an encounter with Jesus. He goes from crazy naked to in his right mind, and his life is together. All right? So that, there's a, there, that's just happened, right? So then we get to verse 21. When Jesus had crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was still by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he did what? What did he do? He fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my daughter is what? My daughter's dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now, church, this is its like Father's Day. Yay! Happy, happy, happy Father's Day. I mean, this is a sad story, isn't it? I mean, here's this man, and he's a father. And his daughter, which it's going to be significant later, we learn that she's 12 years old, right? And she's dying. And so this leads to the first point of today's message that I think will help us. There's three points that will help us in that, those times and those feelings of, I need help. Here's the first one. God knows you need help. Can you say that with me? God knows you need help. Say it again. God knows you need help. Let, let's personalize it. God knows I need help. Do you believe that? Like church, it's really, really true, really, really true that every week when I look across the room in both services, it just reminds me of the week, uh, the previous five, six days that I've spent talking with you, texting with you, emailing with you, praying for you, listening to you. And the truth is there's so many good things that God is doing in the midst of this place. There's so many positive things that are happening in our lives. But do you know this? There's a lot of hard things that people are going through just in this room right here. A lot of hard things. So I need help is not always a thing that we can relate to of the past. And it's not something that we know that we're probably going to have to say in the future. But some of us right here, right now, are sitting here going, pastor is speaking right to me. And by the way, let me clarify that. You may think it's pastor speaking to you. It's God speaking to you. You know, the Holy Spirit knows you better than I do. And so he will take whatever words I share and he will use them in your life for your situation. But you need to be paying attention. Amen? And it doesn't matter how young you are or old you are. I remember sitting in churches when I was 18 years old trying to figure out life, having almost just died in a car accident and still had a little chip on my shoulder, kind of like, oh, not even a car accident could take me, right? I mean, that's true. You could have that option. But I remember God really knew what I needed. And so he always put me in the right place at the right time to hear the right message. 
And it was up to me whether I was going to listen or not. Amen? So with that, God knows you need your help. So Jairus, uh, uh, Jairus is a father. His daughter's 12 years old. Uh, his heart is probably, and this is just me, but I'm just thinking if I'm him, if I put myself in his shoes, and I think all of us can, his heart is going to be broken, isn't it? His heart is going to be scared. His heart is going to be concerned. And I think his heart is even going to be desperate. Wouldn't you agree with that? If your child is dying, you're going you're gonna to do anything and everything you can. Now, here's the other thing about Jairus that I think is really important that we could skip through, but he's a synagogue leader. And that might not mean a whole lot to you, but there's a lot of significance to this. This means he had status. This means he had power. This means he had wealth. This means he had influence. But see, in this moment, none of those things was going to help his daughter, was it? His wealth wasn't going to help her. His status wasn't going to help her. His title wasn't going to help her. His power wasn't going to help her. He was a chief officer in the synagogue, but none of that mattered in the moment. He would actually even turn it all over to see his daughter healed. Would you agree with that? Like you and I as parents, we've been in those situations where we're like, oh my goodness, I hate seeing my child suffer. I will take his or her pain. I will take it, Lord, just as long as they don't have to endure that. I think that's what he's doing in this moment. I think that's what he's feeling in this moment. And his actions will show why I believe this is true. But here's this guy that was used to being in control, had no, he had no control in this moment. I liken it to living in the darkness. Do you know what I'm talking about with that? Have you ever lived in the darkness? Now, literally, you could talk about moments in your life where you've actually been in physical darkness, where you couldn't even see the hand in front of your face. But there's also that darkness where, yeah, you could see things. I could see purple chairs. I could see people. I could see my hand, but I'm still living in darkness. Does that make sense? And so... I think living in darkness can be really scary. And what that means is I, I'm not in control. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what's next. I don't know what's going to happen. And can I even do this right now? And this is a hard place to be. Won't, don't you agree, church? It's a hard, hard place to have been. It's a hard place to, uh, to, to be. And it's a hard place to think about being at any point. But that's real. It's scary when you can't see. Now, probably every time I think about darkness, there, there's a few things that have happened in my life that are, just pop to the surface. And uh, I know I've shared this story a time or two, but um, I also know that our congregation, a third of you have not been, would not even have known West Valley Christian Church before COVID. Isn't that weird to think? A third of the people that come to our church didn't even know West Valley existed. Well, at least didn't come in until COVID, you know, after COVID. So um, part of these are just relive these stories with me. And some of you, it's, it's hearing these stories for the first time. So it was, was it 1990, the earthquake? 94. Okay. Yes. Yes. Because it was January. Um, so Drew was born in um, 93. And so uh, Drew was only three, three months old. And we lived, uh, my wife and I, uh, we lived up on the hill. And when we say the hill, uh, those of you that have been in our church for a long time know what that means. At one point, our church owned the hill 
uh, on Roscoe and Woodlake. It's now an assisted living place. But when we bought it, and before we were going to build the church and school, and by the way, the neighbors where I live in that neighborhood now are the ones that said, nope, you're not going to have a church here. Nope, you're not going to have a school here. So that's why we're here, not there. But there was a 70-year-old house, and we rented it from the church. And um, so there's this earthquake. It happened about 4 o'clock in the morning, right? And so Drew was uh, right there in the middle of the bed uh, uh, between uh, Lisa and I. And um, I, I don't know what your experiences were, but a 70-year-old house really rocks and rolls. <clears throat> and so we're rocking and rolling, and things are just smashing and crashing everywhere. And the walls, because it's such an old house, it was plaster walls. So the plaster walls are all just falling apart. And um, ends up being that house was red tagged. But we, do you guys remember, <laughs> do you remember what TVs were like back in the day? Back in the day? Like, we, we, we had a 32-inch TV. We were all that. But you remember, 32 inches wide almost meant 32 inches deep, right? It was like a 100-pound TV. So this was on a, a, a big dresser thing, and then it just, bam, and you heard that, and you heard all these precious moments and just glass breaking everywhere. Complete darkness. So you don't know where to go, Right? And so I'm begging, I got baby Drew, and I'm going to go, because, you know, I watched all those earthquake videos, you got to go in the door frame, you know? And so I'm just begging God that I'm going to not get my feet sliced and diced, right? But that's what darkness is, you're just, you're lost, you're not in control, you don't know what to do. Does that make sense to you? Have you been there? And so maybe this is where Jairus is with his daughter. He's like, I, I don't know where to take the next step. I don't know if I'm going to be alive. I don't know if she's going to be alive. I am scared. I also um, think about this hike I went on with my family in Maui. And uh, I don't know if you guys know Lahaina in Maui, but uh, Lahaina is kind of a popular place there. And right along the ocean, uh, there's this trail, and it's called the Lahaina Pali Trail. And my uncle says, oh, let's, let's do that, you know? And I'm like, all right, hiking is like not my favorite thing, but the whole family it was going to do this. And we were going to hike to the windmills. If you've ever flown into Maui, you're flying in and you look on the hills just as you're ready to land and you see all these big, beautiful windmills, you know, almost kind of like um, when you're going into Palm Springs. And they're all lined up on this mountainside. So you start by the ocean and we park. Now, here's what I should have known. We parked. And there was no other cars. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've ever been in any of the islands. You go on a hike, and there's 5 billion people on all these hikes, right? There's nobody. The second problem was I trusted my uncle. And he's watching, and yes, I called you out. And so we're doing this hike, and you're hiking. It's, it really, it shouldn't have been called a hike. It should have been called a climb. And you're going up all this old lava rock, and some of it's stable, some of it's not. And you're just, and, and you know, you're half hour into it, and you're like, all right, so where are these things? I haven't seen one of them, right? Because you're just, you know, and you're just, I'm just like, this is stupid. And, and there was a little bit of other grumbling. Not my son. He's like a little dancing gazelle going up the little mountain like a, you know, whatever. And, and so we're doing this thing, right? Hour into it. Are we almost there? Yeah, yeah, it's just around the corner kind of thing. 15 more li minutes later, I don't even see it. And, and my aunt's like, no, let's just turn back. And my uncle's never done this fully complete. I didn't know this up to this. 
And so we keep doing this. We're two hours into the climb. We each brought one 12-ounce bottle of water. And I'm thinking the whole time, what must go up must come down. And I'm just like, ah. And we kept saying this. Kept, oh, we're almost there. Almost. If I heard that one more time, two and a half hours and we see a dumb windmill. And there we are. <laughs> now, I'm kind of over-exaggerating because the views were awesome of the ocean stuff, but I would never tell him that. <laughs> and then we got to go down. And down sucked. You know, I've had two knee surgeries. I need another one. You know, I'm just old. Let's just be honest. And you have to think about every step because every rock is not stable. And I took a roll on one. I mean, it's just, ugh. but here's the reality. At least I could see the ocean and I knew where my target was. Are you with me? So for that reason, it was easier going down than it was going up because I didn't know anything going up. Life is like that. Life is really, really hard when we're walking in the darkness. When we're walking in the darkness of addiction, we're walking in the darkness of divorce, we're walking in the uh, darkness of unforgiveness, we're walking in the darkness of um, the future, we're walking in the darkness of uh, a prodigal son or a daughter that has left the, the Lord. We're walking, I mean, we could all relate to this stuff, right? And if we know exactly what's going to happen at the end, then at least we could at least endure it for this. But a lot of times we don't know what this is. Are you with me? I need help. And this is what Jairus was saying. I need help. But God knows you need help. That's what's awesome about this message. God's not like, oh my gosh, I didn't know. Thank you for letting me in on this. I had no idea. Living in the dark could be really scary, but God knows you need help. God knows we need help to the point where he looked around heaven and he saw his one and only son and said, Jesus, you're going down there. They need help. And for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have what? Everlasting life. God knows we need help. We can't do life on our own. If you read Psalms 46, 1 through 3, it says God is our refuge. God is our strength. He's our ever help, uh, uh, present help in trouble. Therefore, we will what? We're not going to fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and mountains quake with their surging, God is our refuge and our strength. I had a, a, a lady, uh, and I, was, I almost said seasoned, uh, a seasoned lady. That sounds kind of weird. But, but what I mean by this is she's an older lady that has a, a strong faith in the Lord. And she's in my office this week, and she struggled as she was sharing what was on her heart. But the truth is she's scared right now. She's scared because she's watching the TV. She's scared of because of what all the politics are happening. She's scared of because of what Target did and what Budweiser did and what the Dodgers did. And she's scared about all the stuff in this world. And I said, yes, all that stuff stinks. But remember, we've won. We've won. Read the book. 
Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And when we are living in darkness, it is scary. And this world is hard. But sometimes we got to pull our heads out of the hole and put it right back here where God says, set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. And know this, that God is still with us. And God has not abandoned us. In Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God, listen, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or what, church? He's not going to forsake you. And I've given you another six or seven verses. Let me run through them. I'm not reading them, but hopefully they're in your bulletin. I know they were in the email this week, uh, but, or jot them down really quick because you may not need them now but you're gonna need them. And you might not need them, but you'll have a friend or somebody in your life that's gonna need these. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 talks all about, hey, we could trust in God when we need help. Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 7 tells us that God will guard our hearts and our minds. John 14, 27 says that Jesus will give us a peace that the world does not give. Psalms 46, 10 reminds us to be still and know that he is God. Isaiah chapter 41, 10 says, I will strengthen you. I will strengthen you and give you help. Jeremiah 32 to 27. This reminds us that nothing is too hard for our God. In Psalms 139, the whole chapter I just sum it up this way. God knows me. God made me and he knows me. And he knows what I'm going through may be hard. It doesn't surprise him. And he's got my back. Amen. Amen. Mark 5, 22, back to the story. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell to his feet. Church, that is so powerful. He fell to his feet. You go, well, what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is he's a synagogue leader. The big deal is like he's one of the head honchos in the community. He's the guy that has the power, the influence, the wealth. He's the one that people looked up to. And so for this man, especially in this culture, it'd be hard for a man even in today's culture, but especially back in that culture to humble himself and get to the point where he takes a knee and he looks at this situation where his daughter's dying and he looks at Jesus. I'm blown away. I'm blown away. And again, you didn't study all this. I was studying all this this week, and so I know my mind's in a different place. But what it took for this man to make this decision in a public place, it'd be one thing if he did it in the silence of his home and in his closet, but he does this in public. And here's what I love. And please hear me, anytime I talk about my Catholic background, um, I always want to make sure that I communicate to you. I'm not picking on the Catholics. I know there are Catholics that have had amazing experiences that love God, love God's word. I'm talking about my experience as a child. My experience is if I were to say I need help as a young man, I wasn't allowed to say that 
Because what I was taught was, you're supposed to act this way, Robbie Denton, and you're supposed to behave this way, Robbie Denton. And if you don't act and behave a certain way, then God's going to be very disappointed in you. As a matter of fact, he won't just be disappointed, he'll be angry. And so if I were to, like Jairus, to fall before Jesus' feet, my brain would say, Jesus would kick me. And he'd say, get up, suck it up, get your act together. That's just my personal experience. Or he might, he might, he might go, what, what are you doing before my feet? Like, get your act together, get cleaned up, do your Hail Marys, do your penance, and then come to me. But what's so beautiful about this story is this man of influence comes and sits at the feet of Jesus And instead of a kick or instead of a push or instead of condemning words, I see Jesus getting down. I see Jesus getting down. And I see him looking face to face with this man that is in so much pain because his daughter is dying. And Jesus perhaps puts a hand on his shoulder. And maybe he doesn't say a word. Maybe he's just eye to eye with them. And that communicates love. And the hand on the shoulder communicates compassion. Or maybe Jesus actually says to Jairus, I know this is hard. I got you. I got you. And for the person here today that resonates with the words, I need help. In this moment, not the past, not the future, right now, you're like, God, I need help. I want to tell you, he's way better than I am because he's going to come alongside of you, no matter who you are or what you've done. And in your addiction or in your relationship trouble or in your finances or in trusting him in your walk with Christianity, whatever that is I need help with, I believe the Bible teaches us that Jesus, Jesus knows it's hard for us. And he comes right there with us. Amen? Dads, especially on Father's Day. The best thing we could do, let me give you the best advice I could give you as a father. The best advice is to do what we just saw this dad do. Fall at the feet of Jesus. Oh, it's 2023. Men don't do that. He's a crutch. Oh, I'll tell you, the manliest man is the one that could humble himself and fall to the feet of Jesus and say, I need help. I need help as a husband. I need help as a father. I need help as a single man. I need help as a mom. I need help as a wife. I need help as a doctor. I need help as a janitor. I need help. I need help. It's okay to say I need help. And stop falling at success to fill that void. Stop falling at, 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 at alcohol to fill that void. Stop falling at, at climbing a corporate ladder to, to fill that void. And stop, as fathers especially, 
getting our kids so busy doing all these activities so we can sit on the sideline and go, that's my kid, and living out your dream through your child and creating their schedule so it's so busy that you're not even getting that one-on-one time. Yeah, I just said that. I, I, know, I know the temptations are all out there, but please just let me say this, and this isn't just for dads, it's for all of us. The best thing that we could do is fall at the feet of Jesus, amen? Because the second point is God knows it's hard. God knows it's hard. He knows it's hard, and he loves us. Max Licato said this, the leader of the synagogue was the senior religious leader, the highest ranking professor, the mayor and the best known citizen all in one. Yet in this moment, he is a blind man begging for a gift, right? He has all that stuff that Max Licato said, but in this moment, when he falls before Jesus, he's a blind man begging for a gift. He fell down at Jesus' feet. This paints a different picture of a man, but this is the best picture of a man that you'll ever see. Let us, let us allow our kids to see us fall at the feet of Jesus. Just like Mary did last week in the story that Pastor John shared, Jairus is doing the same. He knows it's hard for you to come to him. He knows what you're dealing with is hard, and this is why he says you're at the right place at the right time. I've shared this before. Uh, this happened when Drew was like seven years old. It was a summer day, backyard, barbecuing, uh, playing catch uh, with a friend, and uh, the ball goes over our fence. At that time, we didn't have a cinder block, block wall. It was a um, chain link fence. So he goes over to get the ball on the other side of the chain link fence, and as he's getting to the top, he caught the top of one of the, the fences that was busted open. And he ripped his finger from here all the way down to here. Now, at the moment, I didn't know it. He landed on the other side and was just screaming. And so I got over there. I got him into my arms. I look at his hand, and I could literally see the bone. That's how deep it had gone. And I I just said, Lisa, get in the car. Uh, I'll get in the back with Drew. She drove over here to Kaiser. I'm running in with him. And uh, we're sitting there in the waiting room. They put us in the waiting room. And my poor guy, he's just white, he's bleeding, he's scared, he's in so much pain. I'm a young dad, I'm holding him. I'm saying, God, I will switch places with him in a second. And I don't know what to do, but we're just having to wait on the doctors and I'm holding my young, my young son. And my heart is just racing. And then all I know is to pray. <laughs> and I believe I even prayed out loud so East, or Drew could hear and I'm praying for him to have peace, to take away the pain, this and that. I'm not even kidding. A minute or two into this, I look down and he's asleep. God just blessed in a, like that. But here's, 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 here's what I want to communicate. Because when I've struggled and I've needed help and I felt like God wasn't there or I felt whatever theology had taught me instead of what the Bible is and truth about him, I am always reminded of my love for my son in that moment with that pain. And all I wanted to do was comfort and hold him and heal him. God, our heavenly father, is no different. As a matter of fact, he's times 10, times 100, times 1,000. That he is a loving, caring, compassionate God that hates to see us hurt. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, Jesus said. Hebrews four sixteen. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. And you're going to find and receive mercy and grace to help us in the time of need. So let me close out by saying the third point is God sees when we trust. Mark chapter 5, the rest of the story. Verse 35, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. The daughter is dead. Can you imagine that? Your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them this, don't be afraid, just believe. Church, there's a whole sermon in that. Stop listening to the world. Stop listening to the world. Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion and people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but is asleep. And they laughed at him. (laughs) They laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and disciples who were with him and went where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders to not let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. I love that. Jesus said, don't listen to them. Don't pay attention to them. Dads, don't go with what the world says. Go with what the word says, amen? They came to the house and you can hear the people wailing. I'm not gonna get into it, but the culture, you paid people to wail. There was professional wailing, professional wailers. And I thought, I said this first service, I'm like, wonder what those interviews were like. So how many years of experience do you have willing? Uh, can you give me an example of a time that you weld? A well for a 35-year-old? Give me a well for a 12-year-old, you know? And all joking aside, this 12-year-old, because of her family was, there's going to be a lot more wellers there, but also because she was 12 years old. And I'm not going to get into it, but something I learned is, you know, at 12, you're, you're looking at marriage now. And she was maybe months away from marriage, maybe a year away from marriage. But if you died as a 12-year-old girl and didn't, weren't married, that is heartbreaking. So there's a lot going on here. And Jesus, Jesus goes in there and he changes it all up. And he took a girl that was dead and he raised her to life. You see, God sees when we trust. And here's what's really important. He'll give us what we need, not what we want. You catch that? Because please don't hear this in the sermon. Pastor, I've trusted God and he didn't answer the way he wanted. Well, you know, yeah, that happens. It sucks. You know, I prayed for my mom for cancer and healing all the time, and then she got healed of breast cancer, and then she gets lung cancer, and then she takes a lung out, and she's healed of that, and then she gets brain. I mean, you know, we have all these things we pray for, but at the end of the day, here's something that was very insightful that I read in Max Licato's book. He said, he gave them what they needed, not what they wanted, and in that moment, it would have been better for the girl to leave this earth and be in heaven for the rest of her life. Have you ever thought about that? It would have been better for the girl not to be back. But God answered in that moment, so maybe in 2023, a weird pastor will be preaching and will remind you of this story of what we ought to do when we say, I need help. And I want to tell you, 
You fall at the feet of Jesus and you trust him for what you need, not for what you want. He's got our back then and today. It's a good story, isn't it? And I think we can learn a lot, but today we learn God knows you need help. God knows it's hard and God sees when we trust. Father in heaven, thank you. You're so good. You're so good. Help us. In Jesus' name, all God's people said. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at wvcch.org or you can join us live in one of our Sunday services. Have a great day. Your mercies and your love that you've always